0: Welcome to the latest episode of Platform. Today, we're going to be speaking to Dominic Bruce. I've known Dom for over a decade, I'm going to say. I've known him since he was basically a short teenager rolling around on, I think he had Rollerblade Troopers or something at the time when I first met him. Since that time, he has gone on to star in a lot of really interesting projects such as Haitian Reincarnation, Pappies by Greg Preston. He was also in Inti by Haitian and Haitian's most recent video, which I think is pronounced Ishidi or Ishid or something like that, that was filmed in the Canary Islands. Since that time, he has gone from skating for SSM to joining Razors, and he's actually turned pro for Razors. He released a pro edit, I think it was either last year or the year before. I think it was the year before. He's also done really well in competitions. He won the Winter Clash under 18s and has placed in the top three at Winter Clash, I think twice now. He came third last year before coronavirus kicked in. Most recently, he's just had a section in David Sizemore's video, Fifth Floor, which he finished off the video, which is a testament in itself. And it's probably his best skating today. I think David did... The best job that anyone's done of capturing dom's kind of frantic unusual approach to skating he just has a really good eye for interesting tricks and combos and can just manage to make an obstacle skatable when most people can't if you haven't seen it yet i thoroughly recommend you do Hanging about with Dom is always a really good laugh. We always just get into some kind of like weird debates, especially online over message. We'll have just the strangest DM conversations where he'll just argue a contrary point to whatever statement I make and then we'll just go into this weird rabbit hole of arguing about language and debating like what certain words mean or what certain ideas are. So I'm predicting that at some point in this interview he is either going to challenge me and be incredibly pedantic or at one point he's going to turn it on me and just start asking me questions just to mess with me because that's just the relationship that we have. Like I said really big fan of Dom I'm really excited that the world's finally getting to see what a bunch of us already knew for a very long time and that he is one of the best and one of the most interesting street skaters we have at the moment before we do that though cue the music How you I'm doing, handsome?
1: Fine. Are we? Are we? Are we in motion? Are we in?
0: We're we're never not in motion if you think about it.
1: <laughs> are we? Have we begun?
0: We've yes, we've begun.
1: Cool. Well, welcome to my uh, my pad, my frog pad.
0: I, I like it. I like. It. I got I got dressed up for you. I decided. decided. Love it. i
1: also got a bit dressed up. I mean, I just put on a little some colours.
0: Like it, like it, tie-dye, tie frogs, what more can you ask for? Yeah,
1: tie-dye myself, kind of matches the frog.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Shout out the Notter Castle, Stonehaven, represent.
0: <laughs> yes, the most Scottish blading podcast of all time. Um, I was just remembering when I was setting this up, do you remember the last time we were in, in physical proximity to each other?
1: Um, winter Clash.
0: But do you remember when Winter Clash?
1: In the blue collar.
0: It was it was the final day and you'd just spent the evening sleeping on a floor with several individuals and that became quite an interesting evening. I was, I, was, I was laughing so hard setting this up, just being like, oh God, totally forgot about that.
1: Let's just say that it was like this.
0: Yeah, I think, I think the less we say about that evening, the, the better for everyone concerned, but yeah. yeah.
1: That so, was, uh, wasn't my best night's sleep, I've got to be honest.
0: I don't think it was anyone's best night's sleep. <laughs> Let's move swiftly on, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: how you been? I'm fine. I'm, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm like, it's taken a few days since, like... Um, the last few days I've been kind of like distant. I felt a bit mentally distant cause I just like got a lot of messages and stuff and didn't know how to respond. But I've actually like yet today and last night started to sink into it a bit more and like read some of the messages um, that I've got off the back of releasing um, Fifth Floor with David and just like so many amazing messages. So feel good from that. It's really nice to for, for people to reach out and tell tell us how the, what they think about the video.
0: I imagine it must have been flooding in because the amount of people that messaged me just to be like, have you seen Dom's part? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, of course I've watched it it's the day it came out. And yeah, a lot of people were very, very impressed. So I can only imagine how many messages you were getting, That it must have been, yeah, flooding in.
1: Mm. Yeah, it was, uh, I'm just going to hide my self view because I don't, that's better. Now I'm seeing only you. <clears throat> But yeah, it's been, it's been just like when we released it, I think, or before the video had even finished, when we were sitting watching it, when it first got premiered on YouTube, there was already messages coming in. And, you know, I don't want to just reply with like a, with an emoji, but at some point you just feel like you don't know what to say to everyone because it's just like, you know, and I really... Yeah, I'm really humbled by it. Really, like I've worked really hard on this with David. We all have. We've all put in a lot of energy to this, and it's been over the course of three years. In a in a way, it's just a continuation of Blazed. The last video we did because yeah. there's less, one or two of the clips in my section at least are from the period of filming for Blazed, and then we just carried them over into this. So Blazed was kind of this. You know, we dropped that as a three minute sort of edit and then we had some clips we were still sitting on but we weren't we weren't immediately like let's film another video we just kept on filming and then at some point we were like okay we've got enough clips here to make something
0: <laughs> everyone's like david are you going you going to release this stuff anytime soon and he's like well actually i've been thinking about this yeah, <laughs> he's he's
1: like, I've, got, like, I've got a plan <laughs> he's just been like a like a bird sitting on the eggs you know and he, and he's just like we at some point he was like okay i want to make a five minute sort of video maximum like maybe five minutes and just like and i was like okay but then we started kept on filming and then it was something like okay maybe we'll make it seven or eight minutes and then it was shifted and it was nearly 15 minutes and then and then we were like okay 15 minute video winter clash 20 uh 2020 we'll be releasing it and then we we're like no let's keep on filming for another at least until the summer And then we just were like, okay, it's just, it's just went on and on. And we've ended up, we stopped filming in around September last year. Okay. Um, And then we've just been, there's been different difficulties we've encountered with music and copyrights and finding the right track. And Dave, like also just for David, like we, we're, you know, we're out there skating and and, uh, collecting footage and we're all at the session and putting in energy. But David's the one who's weightlifting that camera around with him and then taking it home and having to find the time to sit with those clips. He's probably seen each of those singular clips a hundred times, a hundred times each because David's so meticulous. And, um, you know, in between his job, he works really hard and and uh, often the way David's job works is he does like block periods. So for two weeks, he's super busy and then he has like a week off. So it's been kind of on and off the ways, ways, being able to focus on it. But I could just tell, and like, just finally having that released on Saturday, we all had a beer together, and we were just, yeah, it was, it was a feeling of relief, and also just like, yeah, it's out now. It's,
0: uh... Uh, yeah, I can imagine because David's well, from what I've observed, really obsessive. Because I remember when he filmed Chris Smith's part and they basically spent months trying to get copyright for the song and then they couldn't get it and that's why they decided not to sell it because they were like because David likes to obviously do everything like legit and have everything done proper and then it turns out they didn't actually have to worry about the copyright because it wasn't an uh, official song it was a remix and they were trying to get rights for a song that they didn't actually need rights for because so yeah um, yeah I can only imagine the the attention to detail he put into it
1: yeah, I mean, the, he did that for another song. Dean covered the Dean Coward section. I don't know if you remember. He did a sec.
0: Yeah, the Shang Shangri La one. Yeah, remember that. Said, yeah. He,
1: then he paid. For, he paid for the rights for that music. Where he bought those songs. Abner J. I'm so depressed. I think he got in contact with the, with the um, uh, the person who owns the rights to the songs. And uh, I think it was actually a family member, if I'm if I remember rightly. And yeah, David, David. There's no one. I've never ever. Ever worked with someone like David, and he's a friend. You know, I skate with him like I like I would anyone else. He's just we go for sessions together and stuff. But when we're when the camera gets involved and we're we're skating like that, I've never filmed with someone where you feel so so much like it, it's uh, it's just done so proper in a way where I feel like I'm a <laughs> skating feels very real when you're out skating with David. If that makes sense. It's just like I, I feel like for if, if if uh if skating is like a real job or lifestyle, then then I feel it most when I'm out skating with David filming because it like it feels like we're it's it's just there's no there's no cutting corners, it's done properly, there's second angles, there's and I, I've 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 developed a new kind of patience for filming from working with David. And I, I was the sort of person before who would if you go on YouTube, most of my edits are filmed in a day
0: yeah i I remember all i remember all of those very well yeah
1: like most of my edits are like filmed in either a three-hour skate park session or like a day with dom style thing and to work on something for at least two years and and like focus on it like that has been a whole new experience um because my other stuff as well has mainly been on skate trips where it's like concentrated like three weeks we go to peru or we go to tenerife and there's like intense focus on skating for that period of time but this section to me means so much beyond the skating like personally in my life it, it's like there's been so much things happened to me in the process of filming this like i've so it's also a story for me when i watch the section it's it's encapsulating a period of my life because throughout all the things that have happened we've just kept this thread of the video yeah so I think that, that that's the difference there. That it has like more of an emotional depth because it's filmed over a longer period of time. So there's been more changes take place, and there's been seasons come and go. And there's also you can see it, I've went through like so many styles in that. Video. Yeah, there's there's a lot
0: of, there's a lot of wildly different uh, Don Bruce looks in that. Yeah, yeah, that's quite true. Yeah, it's like a. It's like a kind of time capsule that, you know, when you're older, you can look back on it and you'll be like, oh, I remember that, like that, that phase or like that period or doing that. And oh, and because okay. there's quite a lot of, there's quite a lot of like lifestyle footage in it as well. So it's not just, you won't just remember, oh, I don't really remember doing that trick or whatever, or I don't really remember being that that day because there's stuff where you guys are just hanging out on rooftops or, you know, you go swimming or you do, so it's, it's other stuff that you'll. have memories of outside of skating like just hanging out and you know the conversations you had
1: so i think as a as a crew as a group of skaters that um and yeah we see ourselves as a crew at this point i think there there was a there was a period when we first moved to copenhagen like Quinny and david and i that there was already something going on in denmark then in denmark they had the rad dk that used to yeah some remember that events and stuff and I just think to begin with, we started realizing who we wanted to skate with and we made good close connection with like Christian and core and Freddie and, you know, the local guys here. And, you know, I'm open for skating with everyone, but we just we found ourselves at sessions together so often that I think at some point the conversation came up. Like, how what what do we identify this as? Like, what are we a crew? Like, what should we give ourselves a name? Because that's somehow like, you know, marks the spot a little bit. And then we couldn't find it for ages, and we went through other names. There was at one point speak of calling the, the crew Flatland because we're you know living on a pancake city that's just got no hills. And it, then it was like nah, it sounds too much like Flatland BMX and or flat. Yeah. You know, it's it's a, the the connotations of Flatland. I don't think are are uh, we so good, are uh, so fitting. Um, but well, then fifth floor came about as a reference to in Copenhagen the building standards in Copenhagen. If you notice, mo- you you would notice most of the buildings are like five floors high. Okay. And in a lot of the clips, there's a if you look in the background, we're we're kind of in the streets with the the build. You know, kind of. Yeah. Like, it, cause in Copenhagen there's no hills. You never get above the 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 sort of city line. So you never see like a a view of the city really. You're always like kind of um you know below the buildings yeah like
0: the... sub- yeah like submerged in it yeah i know what you mean yeah
1: yeah but they're not these these not they're not these overpowering buildings like you would be in like in new york where if you were under the sit the buildings it, you feel like dwarfed by the giant buildings because here it's the, the way the city is designed in a way where you feel like the city the buildings are not trying to take too much of the limelight like they're just like
0: Yeah. You can, you can still see outwards. You can still see like across the landscape or whatever. Yeah.
1: Or just like, you know, there's space there's, there's kind of breathing space. Um, but that, yeah, there was supposedly an old building standard that was that you couldn't build more than five floors high. And in Copenhagen, when you look at, when you do get a chance to see the the skyline, there's, there's only a few buildings and it's been in the last 10 years, I guess that have started to break through the skyline, like other than church spires and, and like some of those buildings. But most of the, like, the, the housing and stuff is in in line with each other. So, uh, yeah, Fifth Floor came about from that idea. And I, I think that it's a nice idea, like, a nice thought. Like, I think we kind of use it when we're speaking, like, you know, let's take it to the Fifth Floor. Like, it's kind of like a – it's kind of a we, – we reference it in different ways. Yeah, it's so
0: like it, Chris, essentially like an, an – internal joke between you guys now well kind of yeah, yeah almost um plus it's like, probably it's, it's probably better that you didn't come up with a crew name because let's be honest they, they generally end up sounding really cheesy no matter who does it and they don't age well so it's, it's probably for the best that you kept it nothing
1: but i think i think to be honest from now now we're probably just going to relate to ourselves as fifth floor just for because i mean it came about naturally and it, and it was like uh there's a humor to it you know so i think that it's not like i'm, I'm not going to be probably getting the tattoo fifth floor or die i'm, I'm probably not we're not probably not gonna be, <laughs> we're not there yet <laughs> we're not there yet but but it's definitely got something to it and like carl benny my roommate my friend he designed the
0: yeah I, I remember you talking about it on uh, wax toaster yeah
1: exactly So he designed that. So it's nice, so because like we've all been involved in the process. I I sent lots of music to David, and not not that it was used, and like, but we've all sent different requests. I know Palace sent music to David, Freddie, Greg. Big big thank you to Greg for sending one of the tracks that was used in my section. Um. So yeah, there's been a lot of help from friends in the in the making of it.
0: I was kind of surprised. I was not kind of i was really surprised by the end product actually in terms of the format because when david announced that he was releasing it i was like all right well you know david's gonna have a section in it and then he mentioned uh carl Lindbergh, who i'm a massive fan of and then obviously you and i was like all right cool there's gonna be three sections and i spoke to quinny about it and he was like yeah i don't have that much in it because i just haven't had time unfortunately He's like, i would love to have had a full part but just it just didn't happen and then when it came out i was like oh david actually didn't put any attention on himself at all like he very much just gave you guy you to the stage and then he's just got like a sprinkling of clips throughout it and the clips that he does have are immense like the, the what's it like fakie 720 where i grabbed mute like most of the rotation on a big set and like soling off you know weird things coming off riffs and stuff so the, the, the
1: true top porn he did on the rail with the disconnect in the middle you know the, like it's two separate rails and he does like an alley oop true top porn and he, and he just kind of, he doesn't even hop it. He just kind of bumps over the rail. If you, you look back, you'll see that one.
0: There's, there's, that's another thing about the video. Every time I watch it, you notice new things. So that's probably just one of those things I haven't actually noticed yet. But I did think it was really cool that despite the fact it's his video, he very much doesn't make it about him. It's absolutely about other people, which I thought was really cool.
1: I mean, you know, some, some people create like, wheel companies or clothing companies just to be able to get the sponsor they never got offered and stuff like that happens frequently but uh, but david is so seriously david is so proper and and, and thoughtful and passionate the, w- the way he handles skating and david could have easily had like a i think david's probably sitting on a whole file clips that he didn't use david could have easily you know put more of his stuff in there but he, he's just I couldn't, I can't thank David enough for the way that he supported me through the process of filming this. Like he really wanted to make this like one that stands out for me. And he really wanted Core to have a section as well. And that was the way that it was modeled, that it was like Core and I with like full sections and then, and then montages throughout. Um, and I think that some people in the way that we did the, the run up to it and the way that the promotion was done, I think some people probably thought that we all had sections because it was posted like... I
0: I, I think that's it, because it like named people. You suddenly have that expectation of being like, all right, that's who... Yeah, so I know what you mean.
1: I I know there's a few people who've said they wish Carl Benny had more clips because he's not really ever released any footage. There's no one really ever seen Carl Benny skating. And then he just had a few clips in there. And... um,
0: I liked his, I liked the, uh, like the double, you know, when you skate up to something, do like the double heel stall against the wall and then come back mm. the way that was, that was very, those are, yeah. those are the, deceptively difficult. Yeah. Like the pushback. Yeah.
1: He's really good at those fat, like he's got really strong legs. He's really good at the shoot the duck as well. Like, you know, these like leg strength tricks. Right. Okay. I think the wall ride is very memorable. He does like a swing, like one foot roll. Yeah. With, swing the with wall. no
0: run up, no yeah. run up to wall rides. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, that, that's not good in the heels. Um, yeah, it was, it, it paints a very, it makes Copenhagen look like a very interesting, just exciting place to skate, which I think is one of the, if a, if a skate video can do that, then that's that's an incredible thing. Like you get it, you used to get it with like old New York videos where they just make New York City look like the most fascinating place in the world or like certain London videos, you'd just be like, oh God, that looks so vibrant and i think it does that with copenhagen it gives you that kind of it it gives a good impression of how unique an environment it is so um, i think
1: it is very specific like the, the this video is specific to copenhagen yeah like you, we couldn't make this video anywhere else and that's i think david is good at uh, expressing that too because he has a love for he moved here and he has an absolute love for copenhagen he you should see how many pictures David takes. He's got the camera. He's always, he's you get, always. You he get always, that
0: impression, yeah.
1: He's noticing details about, you know, he's, um he notices details in the light and the way that light reflect, refracts off buildings. And, and like, he's just like, yeah. And I think that you can see that in the video, the eye he has for the city. And also the, the, how attentive David is to his friends. Like the way that David captures those lifestyle shots and the sort of it's like he's really got his eye on his friends and what's going on in the group, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It that was, that was one of the things I said, I think it was Quinny, I was messaging and I was like, this is the closest anyone's ever come to capturing Dom's personality and the range of his skating ability. Because obviously you had a section in Reincarnation and that was really good, but it did feel like it was all just, yeah, it was like smash and grab, like what you got, whatever you were. And there were a few stunts in there but it didn't show just how weird you can get on blades. And I don't think any section you've ever had has actually given an insight into your like how frantic you are on skates. Like I would I would describe your skate style as quite like just I I don't really know like a term for it, but it's almost like sometimes when you skate towards an object, you're not skating, you're like running. It's like you're trying to get to it as fast as physically possible. And you're you're not doing like a standard skate technique. You're like the legs are crossing over the entire time. You're like, I'm getting there, I'm getting there, I'm getting. And I think he's done a really good job of just and portraying your thought process on it as well. Cause there's two, there's two sections where you're just you can tell you're just figuring something out. There's one whether it's like the block and you're doing like the the cross-legged heel roll up it and then there's a couple of tricks that you can tell that you were aiming for and then there was ones that were just complete like freaks in in your head you're just obviously thinking on the spot and then there's one where you're jumping off the roof as well to do like the soul grind on the blocks yeah Yeah. my favorite one of that is where you come you come off fakie and like kick the like do like a fakie kick in the bollard thing um but then there's another one where you like grind round the square block and stuff like that and I think he's done a really good job of showing this is how Dom's mind works. Like sometimes he's got an idea, sometimes he has an idea and it changes in the middle of the trick. And sometimes he just completely improvises it and this is what you end up with. And I think that's that's really clever.
1: I think I seriously I think you're spot on with that observation. Cause like I I've never felt like someone understood my or was able to capture my um, expression on skates the way David has because like when when I watched it for the first time I also thought it was funny that he, he kept those he kind of left that he had those parts in the video where I have like 10 tries on something because that is the sort of process there's been sections in the past where I've done like the one I did with Kevin for example I had like a week to film that and I just went out and we did tricks at spots, if, you know. And yeah. I, I tried to get as creative as possible always, but it's just that's a week's what came from that week's never enough.
0: A week is never enough to you film a full section that that shows off your entire range of ability. No one can do that.
1: And there's, there's more anxiety involved because you think that there's a time, the clock's ticking, and then you just want to grab what you can get. Yeah. And then you then you start sometimes lowering your your quality control because you just want whatever is there.
0: Yeah, you don't you, uh, you don't want to dedicate like two or three hours to a trick knowing that you're like, cool, I've just wasted half a day on this one spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean.
1: And and I think that David has taught me that as well, the bit like that quality control of just like instead of having three clips, let's just focus on getting this one trick done properly, the way you want it to be. And yeah my, my, that's sort of the way i work on skates and i'd say this section specifically happened very spontaneously like the, most of the tricks kind of were like i was supr- as surprised as everyone else you when can tell that, on a couple
0: was, of occasions yeah there's a couple of times your reaction when you land you're like i can't believe that just worked out that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> like,
1: particularly the 360 heel roll three out yes I, I, I could not believe that I landed that because I was trying. I just discovered that I could do 360 heel roll at the skate park one day. And then I was like, oh, that's fun. Because me and Carl Benny were just messing around, I think, and I discovered the trick. And then I just uh, – and then I was – no, it wasn't. That wasn't the reason. I discovered the that you could do that crossover heel roll trick. And I'd never seen anyone do it before. And I was like, I think I've just, like, found a new trick. And then I, and then I like, th- I, maybe people have done it before because, like,
0: like I've, I've seen people do it, but I know it's not been, it's never been particularly, f- like, focused on a video, like, like it has in Fifth Floor.
1: You know, I remember Eddie Chung posted a, a Shreddy, um, posted a clip of it one day, and I sent it straight to David because it was like six months after I'd done it. And I was like, we have to get this video out because people are,
0: people are, <laughs> are like, <laughs> people are going to think I ripped him off. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. But no, the, the, the trick like that, the, the progression was that I found out that trick. And then I was like, oh, I can 360 into it, 360 into it. And then I was like, oh, but what about if I just do heel roll? And then I wanted to 180 out off the stairs. But at some point, my foot was just in that perfect position. And I think my body, it was almost like it just happened, like automatically. My body came round in 360. And that feeling of landing that was just like, what the fuck just happened?
0: Like, yeah when when you exceed your own expectations yeah you're like that that worked out better than i actually wanted it to in my head that's amazing
1: <laughs> So if you can see in the clip afterwards i'm holding a beer and i'm like going to cheers people who are not even there to cheers me i'm just like oh. like i'm just like in my own like excited yeah uh, giddy, giddy.
0: um yeah there was a couple of moments like that, that which and it opens the door to other things because if you can do like the double if you can do the double like I, I, I guess I would call it like, I don't know, unity heel roll or something. You could yeah, do like yeah. unity toe roll and that could, it could just start, and you could, you kind of hinted at it when you run on that block thing. You could start pivoting doing it mm-hmm. and seeing what else there's, yeah, that that opens up, definitely mm-hmm. opens up other possibilities, yeah.
1: This, this the filming, but what I was saying before is the spontaneous, like the spontaneous energy that's been in this section is just that during, like, I'd say since I moved to Copenhagen, my skating has changed like a lot. Like, and it's my, my basic energy that I give to skating. I think is still pretty similar because I've always had been quite fast paced on my skates and, and being quite erratic or like, like ADHD on my skates. But I think that I developed that into my own style while being here and just like found a way to make it my own. And, And I now feel pretty rested in my style. Like I feel like I've, like I know what my thing is on skates now, and I know what I want to do, and I know like the sort of of movements that I wanna do. And I just wanna keep on pushing that and see where it takes me, because I feel like I've really found um, a niche somehow in in the way that I want to skate. And- um, I would
0: say that's true, yeah. And I think where you live has a lot to do with it, because there's certain environments where it's just not that easy to explore options like that, because. There's certain places that don't have as much of that kind of terrain, if you know what I mean. Like, like one of the best examples I think of is in Scotland, there's very few, or the UK in general, there's very few places to do lines. So, like, see when you watch American videos, loads of people are always doing lines down, like, you know, certain handrails that connect each other or certain ledges in a school where they can do, like, three or four tricks. We don't have that here because there's no such thing as schools where, like, multiple ledge spots or streets and if there are they're capped pretty much after the first time we've used it so you just don't i think that's why you see a lot of british videos and it's like one hit one hit one hit and you might get lucky like i don't know leon's videos recently or some of the stuff john lee's made there's a few line spots in it but they're very few and far between And that's
1: london London. and i feel like london almost is, is its own thing in terms of uk skating because they have like you know it it's more of a, a mega city and maybe has more architectural possibilities that are suited to oh, skating. Yeah. There's just new Stot- stuff all the Stot- time. Yeah. Scotland is just another that that's just another ball game. Like, I mean, growing up like Aberdeen street skating was is just rugged.
0: The spots like, are yeah, the spots are pretty unforgiving and they don't really lend themselves to that much creativity. You're very limited in what you can do on a, on a lot of the obstacles. Yeah.
1: I know, I know for a fact that my creativity with skating can stem itself back to the absence of things like not having spots not Mm -hmm. having them not having them because like I grew up in Stonehaven small town 20 minutes from the city and we had a half pipe and so I just I was watching videos and there was nowhere to emulate what I was seeing in the videos so I would just like for me it was all happening in my imagination I, I was imagining that I was way better on skates than I was I think I was imagining that I was I was skating the curb outside my grandma's house and i was fake fake locking tricks and then just like imagine like you know feeling the the rest of the way there just imagining that i was doing it on like a curved ledge or something like i i used to get called true top roll because i used to i used to not uh, lock my true top souls. you know there was just like uh, yeah it definitely wasn't matching up with what i was watching to begin with and i think i just yeah my imagination was skating developed just through Having to make the most with what I had in, yeah. in in just yeah, I think it's it's funny to trace that trace your influences and think about where you might have been influenced or why what might have influenced certain aspects of your skating. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I can I, I can see direct influences also to the fact that even though um, I love the creative tech skating and toe rolls and all these things, I grew up in a in a skate culture, you could say that that called Toros gay, and and so like I mean the Scottish skate scene up, up until a certain point was considering uh, all that Valo shite. I, th-
0: I think there was an element of that, but I think it, I don't think that was actually speaking for the whole spe- scene. I think it was just speaking for the most vocal members of the scene, if you mm-hmm. know what I mean. So mm-hmm. there there were people that were into it and do it and. Um, yeah I've always been a massive fan of it but I I do think the people that didn't like it and you know chose to be that way weren't necessarily the voices of everyone they were just the loudest voices
1: yeah that's 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 quite true I mean there's definitely people and I remember growing up there'd be skaters like that I would see had something different and I don't want to when I'm naming names here it's not because I'm trying to miss anyone out but like robbie calver and and like matthew stewart and like there was these and dave thomas there were skaters that i just remember having having something different to the other main conglomerate of like scottish skaters yeah because the sc- scottish skating i feel has been dominated by like rail skating for a minute when i was growing up i just remember feeling like it was because that's what we have on that's offer. yeah
0: that, that was the most common ob like steep horrible rails yeah. Yeah, and I
1: remember, like my my ultimate goal as a as a young skater was to just as was to hit a handrail or to grind uh, Northfield, the
0: yeah the long one on the right, yeah,
1: yeah, and and like I, I can see that as an influence in my skating. That even even though I've got that technical uh, appreciation for like mushroom blading and all these sort of more like modern contemporary skate moves, I have a total burning urge to grind handrails and do back savannas on rails and i think i can see that being connected totally to growing up skating with gammy graham forbes and and uh lewis bowden and and like the sort of yeah it's a
0: a product of your environment it's a product of your 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 upbringing because if you're around that stuff and then you see guys like those doing impressive stuff on those obstacles you're like well i want to do that too hmm. no you also have a creative side that you want to nurture and be like, well, I also want to explore these avenues as well, but you might just not have had the terrain to do it at the time.
1: Totally. I mean, I I can also just, I grew up on a sort of book binding of generations with skating because it was like, I was too young to be a part of the generation that just, you know, above me. But I was, I'm also a bit older than like the new generation somehow. So I, I like I I never I always skated with the with the older people of the scene more. Um, I think when I got to fourteen, fifteen, I was I was yeah I was skating with Lewis and uh, all these like older skaters much more. Yeah. I mean, and also the sort of conversations I was exposed to were always above my years, <laughs> <Yeah>. kind of. <laughs>
0: Yeah, grow, growing up, growing up too soon. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine some of the yeah, some of the discussions they were having around those times because they were all going out and partying, and you know, yeah. some of them were at university and stuff. So yeah,
1: even hearing about sexual endophores before I'd even hit, hit puberty that that were like terrified me.
0: <laughs> You're like, I don't know, if, I don't know if that sends that appeal.
1: I don't know if sex is for me, then, if that's what goes on. Yeah, I might,
0: might just give that a miss. Um, yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, you have always, I've noticed, that is another thing I've always noticed, that you've always positioned yourself or aligned yourself with people that, you know, reflect the type of skating that you want to do. Because I remember being really surprised, especially at a young age, by just how proactive you were in getting in contact with people and you know, forging these connections with people in different countries and different cities, because I remember you getting in touch with the honey guys after that DVD came out and basically starting a relationship with them almost then. And then when they moved out to LA, like Bina and Dylan Davis and all that, you ended up going out to visit them and skating with them there. And then like the city life guys and like, you know, so I think you've always done a really good job of positioning yourself by the type of skating that you want to do. And like, like, putting yourself next to those people and you know with people like you know Greg Preston as well because he's doing the too easy stuff and the Haitian and Los Ballas Perdidas guys and stuff like that so because not a lot of people were doing that at that time and the people that were were a lot older than you so it's hard Mm -hmm. enough to put yourself out there and use social media for that you know that kind of relationship building but you were doing it at a very young age because you were like you were you, the 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 Haitian guys were young themselves like they were in their like late teens early 20s but you were even younger than them
1: yeah, I, I mean the first Haitian video that I was a part of the 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 video that they did when they came to Europe
0: reincarnation through, yeah
1: reincarnation I was 16 years old. That's what I mean. And I'm now 23 years old. And I look back on that like, that was seven years ago. Like, what was I doing? Like, that is crazy. And I I can't, I I seriously Oh, and I have so much respect for my parents for allowing me to do that because it was like, A trust thing. They they put a
0: lot of trust in you, yeah, to basically travel around Europe with just some random dudes, yeah.
1: So essentially the conversation went a little bit something like I left school in the summer uh, when I ended fourth year, my fourth year of high school in uh, Scotland in secondary school and uh, I turned 16 uh, just after I left school and I went to this art and design course at college for for um, a year. And the conversation went something like, I will go back to college and study photography if you allow me to go on this trip, which was kind of like a, yeah, it was kind of like an agreement we made. And I just was begging them and I was like, this seriously is like, means the world to me. And this is like my idols, which at the time it was, I mean, Honey Baked, that was, I, I don't think a video had ever influenced me so much When that video came out, I felt like it represented something new for me in skating. And it was like, that was the sort of skating I wanted to do. And it was at a time when I was starting to get really into music and like notice, picking up on the music that was being used in skate videos and stuff. And they had a certain sort of like 60s influence style. And I was really into that at the time. I I was going into charity shops buying 60s style shirts all the time. I'd probably-
0: I, 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 I remember when you you yeah delve deep dived into that it was it was a new exciting time for blading because for such a long time we just had all these pros that it felt like they'd been around forever and it was like when are they ever going to give new guys a chance and then it felt like these young kids just went we're not waiting for a chance we're just creating it ourselves if you're not going to put us in your videos we're just going to make our own
1: yeah, and they'll be better than your ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: They're more interesting. They were, you know, the newer spots that we hadn't seen before. And they were showing it's off rough, things that people hadn't seen.
1: Rough around the edges, but it didn't matter how, how grainy and rough they were because the, the the energy and vibe was so visible that it was just like the, the message was delivered. And and I, I definitely got the message. And I, I was like, essentially wrote to them on i think dylan davis was my favorite skater ever at that point i idolized him i would i would be looking at photos of him on his facebook like thinking who is this guy like totally idolizing him and i wrote to them like hey i really want to skate with you one day and i was buying the haitian t-shirts and i was like you know just in love with what haitian was up to and i remember just watching the first haitian videos on repeat and they used like um this sort of Memphis trap music. And I was just like all this music that I felt like, wow, this is a whole new discovery. It was that time when I discovered Cannes too. And that's still like my favorite band coming from that. And that can be traced to finding that through Haitian. And yeah, then they, they, I was writing with them and I started having a online relation with them. And then they just told me they were coming to Europe and I was like, okay, I want to get involved. And, I think they, and then I think the original idea was I can meet up with you guys at Summer Clash or something. And then they said they were going to do a tour and uh, and eventually it was like, yeah, we, we, I can't remember exactly, but we made an agreement and I managed to convince my parents to let me go on this trip. And my dad took me down to London to meet up with them because that's where the start of the trip was. And he wanted to just suss them out and see if they were okay. And, but he didn't actually meet them. He just let me go and meet them and see and then come back to him and tell them, tell me how I would found them. And even if I, had had a weird experience. Of course, I was going to tell him that it was...
0: <laughs> you were like, yeah, they're fine. They're fine.
1: <laughs> and I, I remember that first weekend in London, we stayed out until seven in the morning and I'd agreed to meet my dad at nine for breakfast. And I just didn't sleep and went straight to meet my dad. And like just already from that, I was like, wow, these, this is going to be fun. So I went home to Scotland with my dad, packed my bags and went to meet them in Berlin, where we went to uh, Summer Clash. And then from then on in, it was just two months of, well, I mean, I I couldn't keep my head screwed on when I came back from that trip. I was like, I I just, it was surreal to go on that trip and come back to Scotland. And and a lot of my friends were still at school and stuff. and.
0: So, I mean, that's that's going to be an eye-opening experience on a lot of levels for you because it's the first time you've fully immersed yourself in skate culture. Like you basically just spent an entire summer traveling and skating you're skating with people that you know you've probably thought about hanging about with for years and now you've finally realized that dream you're seeing all these different locations and cultures that you've probably not been as exposed to in such in-depth because you're actually there and hanging about and interacting with people from those countries so there's there's just so many different things going on
1: yeah I mean I remember speaking to it was funny. It was quite funny because a few of the other people from my class in school left at the same time as me, mainly the the bad bad ones from school. Yeah, Once you talked too much in class. They were encouraged to leave school and go to college because I think the school had had enough of us, and um, some of them got into the side trance community.
0: Well, oh, and I okay, just remember,
1: right. it was funny because we kind of found different ways to get into the same place mentally somehow because i remember i was in france on the haitian tour and i came in contact with my friend paul on at the time on um facebook and i remember at the time the conversation we were having was just like energy cannot die energy goes on and changes form and kind of like we were both just like it was suddenly i think we just went from living in stonehaven to just like Like universe caress my soul like you know just like just like it was was just like yeah and they that that trip I still cite that trip as like one of the most life-changing experiences I've ever had and seriously I I feel like I'm still recovering from it somehow like or like just not recovering from it but it it's the sort of thing that I'll tell my kids for sure that like, you know, it's like one of yeah. those moments. It's like a it's, punctuation it's, yeah, mark.
0: It, it's still impacting you now. Yeah. Totally.
1: Or um, I, see how, I see how things like that shaped my character and, and influenced me to do certain things. And even David, he David marks, or David often says how he thinks that that trip and my exposure to the Haitian stuff, like changed my skating. And like my mentality and attitude about skating
0: I, yeah i can imagine it would plus there was also you know just wild pivotal life moments in that you know there was the whole bus stop incident as well which that's the kind of thing that's 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 one of those moments that's never bus stop bus incident with was it seba or jo- seba wasn't it Seba, yeah like seba. stuff and that's the stuff like that that thankfully you know, it was a horrible experience, but he got past it. But that's one of those things where, you know, that's that's when you realize very significant things about life and how fragile it is and how, you know, quickly it can just be taken from you or almost taken from you. So hmm. I think, yeah, there's there's a lot of lessons to be learned from that entire experience. And it seems like you have. I
1: think that video for me I, I don't watch that video unless I'm going to watch the whole video. It's almost like a respect I pay to the, the video. And I don't show people that video unless they're prepared to watch the whole video because because that trip wasn't just a good trip. And I, I don't want to show someone my section like it was just a fun section because that... Yeah. It's, it's seriously like a spiritual video to me in terms of just because it was so impactful. And I, I remember... At the time, I had a notebook while I was on that trip and just, like, just remember f- writing stuff and f- about what happened with Seba and just feeling like I, I'd never, ever noticed that the click between life and death could be so quick. Like, I, the, the veil felt like it just got thin for a second yeah. and, and I, I just felt like I, I'd never been brought so close to what death might look like, you know? That's like, what I mean, I mean, like
0: you, you essentially, you came very close to witnessing death. Yeah.
1: I mean, to be honest, like it actually, we, we thought Saber might've died and that was the crazy thing. And I, I love Saber so much and he's such an amazing human being and the way that he took that experience and that accident and, and or took that accident and turned it into some sort of, like he thrived from it somehow and, you know, he turned it into an experience that he could learn from. And that's, that's a ode to him as a person. Yeah. But I, I remember at the time it happened and, you know, Seba's eyes were turning into the back of his skull and he said that he could only see white light and electricity. And he said he couldn't feel his whole, he couldn't feel his limbs, couldn't feel his legs. And he was lying on the middle of a road with traffic miles in each direction almost, you know what I mean? No, not miles, but there was traffic on either side and there was cars beeping and the whole thing just felt like it almost feels like a dream but there's a bus that had like a full bus that parked up at the side of the road the bus driver was on the side of the street crying because she thought she'd killed him everyone was standing watching I I had like a nervous breakdown and I was at the side of the street getting like um, caressed by this old lady and she was speaking French to me because I was like shivering and like freaking out because I thought that I, it was my, I felt like it was my fault. And in some way I I was definitely directly linked to what happened. But at the same time, you, I came to a lot of realizations with that too, because it was like, you know, you could have said go one second sooner or one second later. And at the end of the day, we choose to do what we do ourselves. And we put a lot of trust into our friends, but we also have to always realize that we're choosing to put ourselves into these risky situations and with our skating. And when that happened with Seba, he got taken away in the ambulance with Bina. And when he got put into the ambulance, he was in a really bad state and, and we had to skate with the bag, everyone's backpacks back to the apartment we were living at at the time, Clemence and Lyon. and we didn't have any phones or anything. So our phones didn't work anyway. So we skated, and i we've never skated so fast in our life, I don't think. We skated so fast back to the apartment. We didn't say a word. And in that time, skating back to the apartment, I was starting to feel like I might be going to the hospital to be told that Sabre might not be alive. And so... We got back to the apartment and Seba's brother Jonah had broke his leg three days earlier in Paris.
0: I forgot that happened in the same trip. Yeah,
1: He's in the apartment and we go home and we say, Jonah, your brother has been in an accident. We have to go to the hospital right now. It's really critical. Um, And we grabbed some stuff and we all ran into the car and drove to the hospital. We weren't really speaking. We were all, we didn't know what was going on. Thankfully, Clements had a car and he was off work and took us there. But in the way on the car, I wrote Seba a letter, um, like not knowing, like I I just, I just wrote a letter almost like as if I was writing it to him, not being alive. Yeah. And then we got to the hospital and I, I couldn't go inside. I felt too scared to go inside because I felt so bad um, that I'd been on the road watching for cars, and I, I felt so scared. And then and then I remember Martin from Portugal came out to me and he says like. Dom, it's okay, Seba's smiling. He's up there smiling, laughing. He's okay, you can come upstairs. And I really felt frightened to go upstairs. And I walked into the room and Seba was just like, Dom, homie, give me a hug. And he was lying in bed laughing. And it's like, it was like, that was the sort of vibe that we were on in the Haitian video. We were like, it was like, it really felt like family actually. And And we were, we all shared tears together and we all, like that was an emotional, emotional experience, and we, Sabah told us, well, we got told what's happened to Sabah, and he had to have different X-rays and stuff, and he was—you see it in the video—he's sitting with all the Haitian magazines, watching them, and he just—he's just pressing the morphine, the, the button.
0: morphine gun, yeah.
1: He's just, like, he's just like, you know, and and he told us that he wanted us to keep on filming the video for him, so that he could uh, have clips to watch when we came to the hospital okay and we we were found it we were like it doesn't feel right but because he gave us like the permission we were still going out and getting stuff and um we'd go visit him every day pretty much in the hospital i just remember that night bina and Clemence and and team and i went back to the to the the house the apartment we were living at in Lyon. And we just poured each a uh, whiskey, and I remember we all just sat in almost absolute silence. It was almost like grieving. We were like, and we were just like, like what a day. I was just that whole period was insane. I, I took a few days to call my parents about it because I didn't know how to express what had happened, yeah. and I just remember telling them that, like, listen, I, I'm in Lyon, and pretty much my Seba, my friend, is, is being run over by a bus like and that when you tell something that to someone they don't believe that you're speaking about someone who's now alive because it's someone's been hit by a bus is one thing but actually being run over by a bus is like i mean it i just i just see it as like a it's like a second like day like his energy was too strong to to go he just he's meant to be here and he's like you know because that he could have easily gone there like and he spoke of some insane experiences during the time that he was in the hospital, the first two weeks, like having out of body experiences where he was trying, cause his body was in so much pain. He was trying to do these meditations where he would try to like have an out of body experience. Seba just an incredibly interesting and strong spirited person. Well, yeah. that that Like if I went to a psychologist without a doubt, that would be one of the things that comes up. Was. oh
0: of course like it's an incredibly traumatic experience for everyone of course it would um but on the out
1: can i can i take a pee break
0: of course can, I, can, we, yeah.
1: can we do that because <laughs> I'm, I'm almost like i think i'm getting all nervous all right